Yes, well, hello, and it's Tony Battalone from Australian Grape and Wine here for our latest podcast, and I'm very glad to welcome Lee Hazelgrove. Uh, Lee, many of you might have heard, is a viticulturist. Uh, he's very well known because he won the inaugural Vineyard of the Year Awards uh, in 2020 with the Swinney Vineyard in Franklin River in WA. So welcome, Lee, and maybe just tell the listeners a, a little bit about you and a bit of a potted history. Oh, thank you, Tony. Thanks for the introduction. Um, yeah, I've been working in viticulture for quite a long time. I had the opportunity to um, to work on a vineyard in the Riverland around um, Wakery and Barmer back in the early 90s, and that developed my enthusiasm for, for the industry. And I, I went to uni, back to uni, um, studied a Master of Viticulture with the University of Adelaide team, led by you know, Peter Hoy and Peter Dry, et cetera, at that stage, which really fired up my enthusiasm for the technical side of, of the industry. And, and then I've moved around um, Australia a, a bit, um, learned a few things in different regions. Uh, I worked for a consulting business for about eight years at Di Davidson's consulting firm. And that was an amazing opportunity for me working in um, almost all regions of Australia and New Zealand. So that really ramped up my knowledge um, and then I married a lady from from Bordeaux a winemaker from Bordeaux um, which I guess broadened my knowledge of fine wine uh, and food probably <laughs> um, and that I think has rounded out my sort of awareness of how to grow grapes that or you know, the desire to try and grow grapes that really express the uh, the place that they're 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 in because that's the European version, I suppose. So, yeah, that's that's oh. a snapshot. Yeah, well, it's um, it's a pretty good pedigree because you've just mentioned three of the people I respect immensely in the industry, and Di Davidson, Peter Hoy, and Peter Dry, all of who are, are great professionals and and really nice people as well. Um, and I've I've worked with them all a lot, and I really enjoy it. Maybe we'll just talk about a few things that are happening, and I might ask a couple of questions about the West to start with. One of, one of the big issues that seems to me is happening in West Australia is that you're, you're getting to a stage, you've got older vines, and it's starting to look at where vineyard renewal should happen. And do you see that, or is that just a, a perception I'm getting from, from over in the eastern side? Yeah, that's a very good point. Um, yeah, that is the topic of conversation. Like a lot of our vines, as everybody knows, um, a lot of our vines were planted in the late 90s, so we're coming up against that sort of 20, 20 plus year of age. Um, some accumulated soil issues, um, possibly pathogenic, but maybe you know also fertility and compaction and and things like that. Um, yeah, it's it's interesting. You know, there's I know there's a bit of chatter in the West about you know the average age of vines in Europe is sort of somewhere in the 20 to 30 years of age and yeah, maybe we need to be thinking like that. Um, but I don't know. I don't think it's quite that simple because we don't have some of the really catastrophic disease pests of Europe. So I think I don't think it's quite that simple. Um, but I remember when I worked with Di, we were asked an interesting question by the ATO, you know, as as we did back then, about you know what's the economic life of a grapevine and or what's the life and we sort of said, well, for, for that purpose, it's, there's an economic life and there's probably a biological life. And 
you know, there's there's somewhere in amongst all that, there's there's some market changes as well. But yeah, I definitely think we need there's some vines that need to come out because they're no longer relevant to the market. Um, that's clear or well, clear for some. Um, there's some vines that have probably accumulated a few too many pruning wounds and have they've got trunk diseases and you know they're no longer you know producing quality wine grapes at a, at a sensible yield so it's 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 getting harder to to pin down sort of there's no simple answers anymore i think we're all we're at the pretty and that's yeah Lee, and i reckon that's the point and the reason i started off with this is it is a complex question with no real answer mm, um yeah. and you know if you're in south africa your vines last 20 to 30 years because they're virus ridden and you're you know, that's what they do. Um, Europe is a mixture. There's a whole lot of things happening. And I guess my perception is that there's still a lot to learn. And, oh. you know, and we've got, and it's, you know, there's viticulture is probably the next big thing in the RD space that we, we, we really need to be concentrating on. Yeah, I, I believe pretty strongly in that. I mean, I, I chair the Western Australian Wine Industry R&D Committee, you know, partly for that purpose and all that reason. I, I think I think we really need to keep, you know, unturning or turning, unturning stones or turning stones to try and find, you know, answers to these questions because they're not they're not going to go away and they they are getting more complicated because we've always we've dealt with all the easy ones mostly. Um, so now we're dealing with a you know a different stage. We're dealing with a mature wine industry and mature vines and you know the issues are different. Um, but they're exciting, you know, really exciting. And there's a lot of, you know, I think. The vines are probably at the peak of their career and probably a lot of our industry is at the peak of its sort of white yeah. knowledge as well, you know, so that's a pretty good combination. Yeah, well, I think one of the interesting things is we're not just about productivity and there's a whole lot of things that we need to bring in and we've got a whole lot of other technology coming in from other industries, which I think is going to be a very exciting time for us to learn how to work with others. And, and it's not just the grape and wine sector. I think we, there's a lot to learn from others. Um, I reckon, though, one of the things that leads on from that is climate change. Uh, the IPPC report came out yesterday, I think it was, which was uh, fairly concerning. Um, I think everyone in the wine sector believes in climate change. We've seen it happening. We, we understand it's happening. Um, you've got some particular issues in the West, of course, is one, how you're dealing with it now, but also with your biosecurity and trying to get... Uh, new varieties in and trying to get varieties through the quarantine system must create some issues over there yes um that's a leading question um yeah it is it is complicated um yeah i've i've often looked at climates well not often but for a fair bit of my the last 10 or more years i the closer you look at the weather you realize it varies a lot and yeah, there is climate change, clearly, and I've read the report not probably as comprehensively as I could have, but, but yeah, one of the things that's really challenging on a, from a year-to-year -year basis is what I call climate variability. You know, there's, there's probably change at a, at a bigger time frame, but, but at a short time frame, it's variability, and that's, that's harder to deal with. Well, change is clearly, a, climate change is clearly confronting, but climate variability is what we deal with on a daily basis, and I think you know, that, that you've got to be pretty nimble to be able to plot a course through a season that goes from, you know, really wet to really dry to really hot to really cold. You've got to be on your feet. And um, I think that's one of the things we did pretty well in in Franklin River with the Swinney Group. We were very nimble and, and willing to, you know, change our plans if the conditions, 
you know, suggested we needed to. Um, the, client, the, the topic you raised about varietal, you know, diversity, that's a really interesting one. And I, I wonder about that at a couple of levels. I mean, historically, we've, we've probably copied the European example where we have chosen a fairly narrow suite of varieties in particular regions. And we've tried to emulate that sort of regional, um, you know, character. But I think, you know, if, if the weather's continually going to, going to continue to be variable, and I'm pretty sure it will, you know, some of our, say the Franklin River, for example, like some years it's a Riesling region and some years it's a, yeah. I'm not sure it's a region, but some years it is, you know, and, and, and then some years it's a Grenache region. We've, we've done pretty well with Grenache. Um, and so, you know, how are we going to deal with that in terms of communicating a, a reputation for a, a lot of different varieties without um, losing our reputation for, you know, some things at the top end? I think that's a really, I reckon all our regions are going to grapple with that because we probably need to have a, a broader range of varieties in our regions. But how do we not lose our identity around, um, you know, the regional hero program, for example, that's been very, you know, successful and well considered? I think it's a really good point. And I think it's one that I think will evolve on it. I think it's really great to have the regional heroes and we always will. Um, but you've got to remember European system was based on a whole lot of varieties in a vineyard, which they never knew what they were and they just whacked them together. Um, it's only later they reinvented that, that story around it. Yeah. Um, maybe there's something to be said for, uh, you know, risk mitigation by, by planting a whole lot of different varieties. Well, I think, I think there is. And, and, I should know this, but I think in Franklin, when I probably started there, there was probably seven or eight varieties, and I think we probably have got sixteen maybe now. And there was, there wasn't just, you know, there was a fair bit of considered strategy behind behind why those varieties ended up there. But it it made it makes sense. I mean, the market's diverse. the 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 opinion the opinions on wine character are diverse. So. Um, we probably should do that with our planning, you know, varietal planning. Yeah, I agree. And just slightly, let's move slightly to one side. Um, one of the really interesting things we were talking about early before we went on online was the fact that there is a lot more consumer interest in the vineyard now, and not not the viticulturalist, but the vineyard itself. And I've seen it with the, the pursuit for authenticity and provenance, which seems to me going through uh, particularly younger age groups and particularly important. Um, and I guess that reflects back on the story that you can tell from the vineyard, um, which is probably going to be just as important as that final product in wine now. Oh, yeah, I think it's just so exciting, the willingness of, um, of consumers. They, they want to know stories about our, our sites and our practices and and, you know, some of the skill and, and knowledge in the sommelier space across Australia is just, just so amazing. Um, you know, they want to know things. The customers are asking questions and the sommeliers uh, are able to answer them. And they're, they're, it's, just, it's just so cool that there's that level of, of um, interest, you know, from the, from the consumer level coming back to us. I mean, I think for a long time we've, we've probably been pushing it from, from the production side. The fact that it's being asked from, from the consumer side, that's just wonderful, you know. I think our industry is in a good spot when there's, when there's that degree of... So we have to match that. Like, we have to have the answers to those questions and they have to, as you said, they have to be authentic and, um, and they have to be 
um, fruit. <laughs> and well, I, I guess the other thing is too, we have to learn how to tell that story so that um, yeah. certainly anyone building a brand uh, can understand how important it is to reflect back the that actual vineyard that you know. I hate to say the word terroir, but you know, but show where it comes from and. And it changes the way we'll have to think, I think, about some of our marketing and branding and some of the stories that we're telling. Yeah, I think the great thing, we're going to move through what, I mean, quality has always been an elusive topic. And I remember, you know, the, the tech conferences through the 90s and 2000s, it was, you know, everybody was trying to pin down what quality was and we're still, yeah, it's, it's just not something you can pin down. But um, moving beyond quality to actually have, you know, customer conversations and sommelier conversations and wines that are, you know, I know not all the wine can be hand-sold by a sommelier to a, you know, to a cool customer at, you know, 14 bucks a glass, but there's a fair bit of that going on. Yeah. That's, that's pretty cool. Yeah, but there's also a lot going on online as well, and there's a lot of people reading about the story online and, and connecting that way, and, and that's what they want to hear too. It's not just your sommelier hand-selling. You know, hand yeah. the, you know, we're, we're talking on a podcast now. That's how a lot of people get their information, and uh, they're probably, you know, they probably have pictures because they might be better looking than you and I, but, you know, that, that's how it's done now. So I think, you know, we'll be looking at that as well. So it won't, it's just the hand I think it'll be all product, not commercial brands as well as you know some of the premium fine wine yeah i think so that desire for information we have to meet that like we really have to meet that and um you know i've talked to you know my video video mates around australia and and the world and you know i think one of the things i do admire there's lots of things i admire about winemakers but you know they've been very good at providing what i call sound bites to, to journalists or about you know their craft and and the season and and the style of wine that they're making and yeah, unfortunately, not very many viticulturists are very good at simplifying, um, you know, what we do. So, but we're not very quotable because we bloody rabbit on for twenty minutes. <laughs> um, so we somehow, I think, we need to. There's a enthusiasm, there's a desire for that those conversations, and I think, yeah, I think there's some awesome viticultural voices around Australia that are that are doing that. Um, and I think the fact that there's that. Um, enthusiasm for those conversations i think i think we really need to man up as viticulturists and yeah work on our, yeah. our media or all uh, those things i reckon you're right and uh i've got a very good great grower mate who calls winemakers grape spoilage engineers and um apologies to my winemaker friends but i mean i think he's got a point um i want to just turn we've we've had a pretty big vintage all around Australia. It was a bit tougher over in the West than it was in, in most of, of Eastern Australia, but a record vintage in quantity, but we've just lost the China market. Um, how do you see that playing or playing out in the West in particular? Um, do you get a feel for it at this stage? Is there, and, you know, and what should we be doing with grape growers and winemakers to make sure that we can navigate our way through this? Yeah, this, this topic's probably a bit of a higher level one for- then I could probably answer really well, but um, we just have to build diverse markets, I think, you know, and um, and that's easy to say, but it's probably that simple um, to say. Um, you know, the one market model has not worked very well in, not that we were a one market model, but we probably got a bit too far down that track possibly, but, um, and there's reasons why, but um, 
you know, we're lucky in the West in a way. It's quite a parochial state. Um, the domestic industry is fairly, you know, there's, there's a lot of, um, you know, regional tourism and, you know, it's, COVID's had some strange effects on businesses around the world. And, you know, in Western Australia, the regional tourism's changed a lot um, as a consequence. And, you know, the, the regions are actually doing pretty well, I think, um, accommodation-wise and restaurant-wise. Um, longer term, yeah, that's that's probably another question, and I I wouldn't like yeah. to wouldn't like to stretch the, the yeah. topic too. No, fair enough. And I spend too much of my time on unproductive discussions about China. And yes, we are diversified, but it's going to take a long time to recover from that 120 million liters of red wine that was was going into China. Um, and one of the things that we are seeing, we are, we saw a bit of coming off of prices in last year, the end of vintage. Um, I'm pretty concerned about 2022. I think there's, you know, we could be moving back towards those those bad times that I certainly entered the industry with when we had a, we had a lot of years of, of oversupply situation. Um, I think we will diversify. I think it'll take time, but there needs to be a lot of good conversations between growers and winemakers, I think, in the interim to make sure there's no surprises and we all know where we're going. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And, and one thing we really set ourselves on, you know, with the Swinney business is, is we really wanted to, you know, as the wine industry has matured, like just it's partnerships. It's the era of partnerships to me. Like, you know, let's work as partners. And, you know, we, we've been very, we've done our best to be really good partners. I mean, the Swinney business is a diverse business with a, um, a very wide range of customers. When I started in 13, we had three. And when I... Um, you know, at the end of the 21 vintage, I think we've got 37 or 38. And, you know, we we really wanted to be partners in those businesses and um, work together to solve problems because, yeah, that's that's what, that's really satisfying stuff and businesses get stronger when you help work together. So it's hard to do at, like, the whole of industry, um, but we have to start from somewhere and, like, the grower businesses um, like like ours um yeah just work on your networks and just yeah keep building those connections yeah i think and it's all about collaboration i mean everyone's got to realize that most over overused cliche we're all in it together that covid cliche uh but it's it's true and and when you're under pressure as i think we will be uh everyone's got to give a little because you know we're in for the long term i guess um you mentioned the Swinney business because obviously that's where you, you um, won your award or one of your many awards probably. Um, but why did you enter the inaugural Vineyard Awards last year? What, what was your motivation for that? Um, oh, there's a, there's, a, there's a few, but I'll try, and, I'll try and work through them. But I, I feel, you know, as the Australian wine industry has matured really amazingly, I, this is probably a bit, unfair to previous generations but the last the last five or so years i think it's really cemented itself at another level it's been really cool to see what's going on around around the country with um people starting to lift their head up out of it was really hard times like we all have got some post-traumatic stress i reckon from the the years that we don't even want to talk about how long how many of them there were but um you know, I think internationally and even nationally, the conversations around wine have been mostly about the personalities of, of the people making it, and that's cool. We had to start with that. But then there's a, like I said before, that 
consumers are starting to look for other information. And yeah, when Rory contacted, well, when I started seeing it on the on the Instagram, I was like, that's such an ideal time to try and like shine the light on the sites that actually make the personality of the wines that you know has has really not I don't want to say rebuilding Australia, but you know, enhancing Australia's reputation. Like let's 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 zero in on actual places because it's the places that actually do it particularly if you you know if you farm them pretty sort of respectfully medically they can really really pay you back and so i thought it was just an awesome time to to um you know the timing wise to, to actually shine the light on on vineyards and you know the swinney business we we We've, we're always working on developing and broadening our reputation in the market. And so it was another way of, you know, broadening the people that knew about us. And, and you know, we needed to, to keep broadening our market. Um, and we wanted, you know, to basically put our um, business forward to see where we sat in the, in the, in the national sort of um, standard because, you know, there's some really really amazing viticultural thinkers and and business runners um, business managers in you know nationally and we wanted to see where we sat um and and of course lee seeing as you were the inaugural winner in 2020 now the 2021 awards are open you're of course on the panel so uh is that that have to happen as soon as you win you become on on the the judging panel or is that just uh, just one of those things well I, i didn't actually know that well and um I didn't know that that would happen. Uh, you know, I had no idea we'd win, for example, but um, I had my own, we weren't running any, uh, you know, bets of any significant quantity, but there's a few bottles of wine on other businesses that we were thinking about. And, um, but yeah, to be on the judging panel with, with the Young Gunner Wine Awards for, for this year is, well, that's a really humbling thing because I get a chance to see the businesses, um, applications you know across the across the country so that's going to be that's a that's a pretty cool opportunity i mean i'm going to learn a lot from that process it's pretty exciting and the panel's pretty pretty good quality people as well so i mean it's going to be just getting together even with that panel and and looking at these things i think will be a great opportunity i'm i'm glad yeah that's how it looks to you i think the the panel that rory's assembled is 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 great i mean it's it's across a few different um well, I think it covers the industry extremely well, um, and that—that's one of the things that was I drew, was drawn to the award in in the first year was the quality of the judges. I mean, the you know, the award itself I thought was really like bang on point, and and we were definitely going to apply. But the quality of the judges just gives you that level of um, oh, just a little bit more confidence in the award, I guess. Um, mm. Are you being judged pretty? pretty hard i guess but people on the yeah you want to win if you if you're really really good and to be really really good you want those people who you really respect to to make that call it's it's just one of those things so i guess some young gun uh vineyard awards they're they're coming up so why should why should other people try and get in and be judged by a bloke like you (laughs) um well, I think, you know, if we go back a couple of steps to we're talking about, you know, de- you know, trying to broaden our appeal to customers, you know, from the, from the, so the business that I was running at, at Swinney, you know, we needed to be relevant 
to a, a wide range of, of wine styles and varieties. And yeah, we think the Young Gunner wine process um, was a really good way of helping, you know, shine a light on our business in amongst, um, you know, a lot of others that were trying to do the same thing. So, um, you know, I think there's a couple of parts to it. I mean, a diverse customer list is always a good thing in a business. It's a bit hard to manage, but it's, you know, it, it's a much better thing to manage than, than one or two, um, probably a few simple, few over generalizations there, but so it helps diversify your customers. That's, that's pretty true. Um, and you get a chance to mix with a viticultural community. That's just, you know, so willing to share knowledge and, you know, that's one of the great strengths of our industry that, you know, you can, you can contact people that you'll meet through the process and they'll just be happy to share and tell you what they think, what they think about things. And yeah, that's how we all get stronger. I think if we collaborate, a bit like you said earlier, if we collaborate and we share knowledge. Um, I, I was reading, a, well, not reading, but watching a TED talk last week and it was something like, you know, we don't, we don't need, we don't necessarily need more knowledge. We need more leadership in the world. And I think that's, it's not that simple because we do need, there's always opportunities for more knowledge, but we definitely need better leadership. Um, absolutely, but yeah. yeah, absolutely agree, Lee. And um, I might use that line actually. I might, I might, might take that as my own because one thing I have learned is that uh, there's a lot of things I don't know. I can always learn from others. So if I hear a good line, I'll plagiarise <laughs> it ruthlessly. Yeah well, yeah, well, it wasn't mine either, so I'll send you the TED talk. But um, I just thought it was pretty pretty relevant because I think we're often sometimes we we're reluctant to act because we don't think we know enough but we just need a bit more confidence like we probably know a fair bit more than we realize um when we just need to to get on and do it I think yeah, at some level but I mean I, I know there's a lot of support um for the young gunner wine um process there were the way that the process was handled last year I thought was really really good i mean i don't know how much you knew about that tony but but the awards process was handled online because of covid no one had any idea who was going to win it was completely i mean rory and a few of his staff obviously knew but you know it was it was done live online amazing like they did such a great job of pulling that together across you know all the states and regions and covid and it was really cool yeah, well, that's one thing, isn't it? COVID has taught us all that we have to be more flexible, more nimble and, and react to circumstances, which I think is a good lesson for most of our businesses. So anyway, Lee, I'd just like to thank you for your uh, having a chat with you today. I really enjoyed it. Uh, we might get you back another time and talk more generally on some of those naughty questions. But in the meantime, anyone who's out there as a viticulturist, get your vineyard in to uh, the Young Garden Awards. Um, Lee's on the judging panel. Send him a couple of bottles of wine and you're in with a chance. So thanks, Lee. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Thanks very much, Tony. Enjoyed the conversation.